What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Steve Perry, and you have just tuned in for the first time in several weeks to Case Catholic Radio. Now, over the last couple of weeks, I have learned something about myself as the host of a podcast, and that's this. The inertia is real with this one. Those of you who caught our last episode will remember that we had a little delay in our scheduled programming due to trying to coordinate schedules with our first podcast guest, who you'll hear later today. And I realized that when I lost that momentum of putting one episode out a week, I had a lot of trouble picking it back up. But anyway, here we are again, and hopefully I won't drop the ball again, at least not for the rest of this year. Anyway, so now that you guys have been waiting for a month and a half, we're picking up right where we left off, talking about those three dimensions through which we argue that reason, properly applied, leads to faith, not away from it. Those things that we can observe today or things of the past that we can study, which don't make sense unless Christ is who he said he is. We began by talking about the witness of the apostles, and next time, we're going to be talking about prayers of exorcism. But today, we're talking about miracles. It's challenging to talk about miracles as a rational grounding for the belief that Christ is God in a 15-minute podcast, but not because it requires a bunch of mental gymnastics to get from the premise to the conclusion. That's actually pretty self-evident. But because there are so many miracles that happen around the world in a given year, in a given month, in a given week, that it is a huge challenge to decide which ones to talk about. As a way of giving you all a sense of the scale, the sheer amount of miracles that take place in the world in the day-to-day, I want to talk to you very briefly about canonization, or the process of a person becoming considered a saint. In 1983, 35 years ago, this process was simplified. To keep it brief, after your case is opened and the church starts to gather information about your life and your heroic virtue from people who knew you, people who interacted with you, and people who were influenced by you, you advance forward a couple of categories and become considered venerable. Now, it's almost always the case, unless you were martyred or killed for living out, for your, for living out your faith, that in order to advance beyond this stage, you need to have a miracle attributed to your intercession. If that takes place, the church then considers beatifying you or bringing you up into the category of the blessed. And then, in order to be canonized a saint, you need to have another miracle attributed to your intercession. So, here's a question. How many people do you think have been declared saints since 1983? Eight? 10? 15? Uh, close. But by my count, the number is 226. That means likely more than 400 miracles have been observed, studied, and verified by the church and the scientific and medical professionals that they work alongside. Now, the list of miracles that have led to the canonization of saints is not an exhaustive list of the miracles that have taken place in the last 35 years. 
Not even almost. As a matter of fact, not even close to almost. No, see, because the church's evidentiary requirements are so strict that just about the only miracles that make their way into consideration toward the canonization of an individual are medical miracles. Healings of ailments that have no known cure, in which the healing was sudden, immediate, and lasting, and beyond any next explanation by natural causes. Naturally, these are almost all physical healings, for it's nearly impossible to be certain that sudden healings of emotional, spiritual, or mental ailments had no natural cause, simply because they're so much harder to observe. Now, when you consider that Christ's work is not at all limited to healing people's bodies, and that we can be sure that not every miraculous bodily healing that has taken place has been reported to the Vatican as evidence toward the saint's canonization, that the power of saints' intercession continue after they are canonized, and that many miraculous physical healings have taken place that, while miraculous, do not meet the church's evidentiary requirements, and that God readily performs miracles in response made directly to him, you can reason that the 400 or so miracles that have led to the canonization of these saints are the smallest of small subsets of the amount of miracles that have actually taken place in the last 35 years. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about just two of those miracles very briefly that led to the canonization of somebody you might have heard of, St. Pope John Paul II. But before I get to that, I wanted to talk to somebody who has not only seen miracles firsthand, but has even had a hand through Christ in bringing them about. So with that said, join me in welcoming our first podcast guest, Andre Louvier. Give us a hello, Andre. Hello, hello. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Andre Luvier, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm out here working in ministry with the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, and I am a nurse in my free time. <laughs> nurse in your free time. That's, what every, that's how everybody treats it, right? Uh-huh, yep. Yeah. All right, so as you know, this, uh, in this episode of our podcast, we're talking about miracles, and especially how miracles aren't things that just took place during biblical times or during the medieval times, but are things that take place, honestly, just as often today. And the reason that I thought you would be a perfect guest for us is because you have borne witness and you've even been a part of multiple. So can you tell us a little bit about when you first started taking up this uh, street evangelization? Yeah. So I had grown up in a community where we prayed for people for healing regularly, um, but regularly being like a couple, every couple of months, every couple of years, and that was our regular. Um, but when I first came out to Phoenix, Arizona, it was the Christmas break of my senior year of college. I was at St. Mary's College, and I came out here for a, a conference. And while I was here on that conference, I saw things that I had never seen before. Um, each person would go up and be prayed with by a priest, and in front of a crowd of 100-plus people, their arms would go back, their legs would grow back. And when I say grow back, I don't mean like there was no arm, there was no leg, um, but like an arm was four inches shorter than another arm, arm at the beginning, or their leg was four inches shorter at another time. Um, backs that had been like affected by scoliosis were straightened, um, and I knew something was different, and I knew that the Holy Spirit was moving at that time. 
And so when I moved out to Phoenix um, that following summer, we started going out on street ministry and going out and praying with people on Walmarts and um, basically wherever we could find people that were willing to pray. And the Lord started performing miracles. Um, we'd see women who were in wheelchairs stand up and walk and had, who hadn't walked freely in years. Um, my favorite miracles that we saw were with pagan women in particular. At the beginning of one of our conversations, um, there was a woman in a wheelchair, and we told her we were just out praying with people, and the Lord had things that he wanted to do in this Walmart in particular. Um, <laughs> and she said, well, I'm a pagan. And we told her, well, Jesus loves the pagans too. Um, <laughs> and we ended up praying with her for a while, and eventually she just got up and she walked, and she was as, as aw- awestruck as we were. Uh, that is so awesome. Yeah. So you were telling me some of these stories, and I remember just being amazed by it. Like you said, just people um, getting up from wheelchairs. And um, I also remember being uh, kind of chuckling at the fact that the uh, at one point it seemed like the Walmart didn't consider you guys very welcome anymore, if I, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, they thought that it was inappropriate for us to be praying for people. So we left that Walmart and went to another one where the, the door greeters welcomed us. I don't know why the Lord likes Walmart, but he's open to that. <laughs> it seems like, yeah, everybody likes Walmart, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, a question that I have for you is being able to take part in this, like what effect did this ministry have on your own faith? Hmm. It definitely grew my faith um, because it talks like so often we hear in the Bible how Jesus said, um, when I leave, you'll do far greater things than I, because I will send you the comforter. I will send you the Holy Spirit. Um, and I didn't really understand what that I didn't really understand what that meant until I saw it happening. Um, and my faith grew tremendously by seeing these things happen, by seeing these healings. Um, especially as a nurse, I know the like scientific part of what's happening, and it just like it grows your faith even more. It's like the Lord doesn't just want to be in the church. The Lord doesn't just want to be in the Bible. Like He wants to be in our active lives and our daily lives, um, and He wants to perform miracles. So, yeah, He's been growing it. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's and it's that's something I didn't even consider is that you're coming you're coming from a perspective of knowing, of you know being a, a healer using the using practical methods and in modern science, but um, you also are gifted with this uh, with this ability that God uses you to do these things that are beyond the capabilities of science. I think that that's that's really cool um, that you can that you can be a healer in both in both in your free time as a nurse and yeah. <laughs> and in your true work as a as with the Franciscans. Yeah. So have you ever asked yourself, because this is, although it's not, you're not the only one who has this gift, this is a unique gift, right? Um, you know, St. Paul tells us that, you know, uh, we, if every member kind of has its different purpose and he writes that, you know, eye is not, uh, eye is not hand, hand is not foot sort of thing. Have you ever like asked yourself, why me? Why does God use me for this, this extraordinary gift? Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't often ask myself that because I think I see uh, other people that the Lord has more heavily like put his hand on for healing. And so I often am just like a side per- person in that part. And um, mm-hmm. like I will pray for healings, but um, I don't see them as frequently as my friend David does. And so, um, which is not a bad thing. I just, uh, the Lord has gifted me with a different type of healing. I usually pray with people for like um, emotional healing more than I do for physical healing. And I see the mm-hmm. Lord work in that. Um, but I do think that the Lord uses our desires. So David and I, he's the one that really started training me on the street ministry. Um, he always wanted to see physical healings whenever he'd go out. And so he would go before our father 
like a child, and he would just say, Dad, like, this is this daughter of yours wants healing, and she wants to walk freely. And so he would really speak to the father as a child, and hmm. um, he, he asked her what he wanted. The Lord says, asking you will receive, and I think that um, oftentimes people don't see physical healings because they don't ask for physical healings. Um, hmm. And although I do think it is a charism, like there are great saints like St. Andre who had a definite healing, <laughs> he, yeah, healing charism that was different than mine. Like I don't, not every patient that comes to my hospital is healed and I, they leave me their crutches. Um, but I do think that it's more available than people believe. And it's just that they're not asking. That There's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think that um, it reminds me of the uh, miracle at Our Lady of Fatima, where if I remember right, the, what took place there was less magnificent, was less significant than it could have been because of the lack of the faith of the people there. They weren't asking like you were talking about. You know, Christ tells us, ask and you shall receive. Um, and ask is definitely a part of that. Um, but I also really, really thought it was interesting how you talked about how your prayers are often for emotional healing. And I think that that is um, those can be no less miraculous. Like the, the things that are going on in our bodies that create, um, emotional turmoil are no less real than the things than a broken arm. Um, and when those things, when God heals those things, we don't see them in the same way, but, um, he could be, it could be just as supernatural. It could be just as much his influence that is creating these things. And I think it takes a lot of faith to, um, to ask of those things and to still see them as miracles. So that's, that's, that's awesome that you do that prayer as well. The cool thing is that they often interconnect. So we found in street ministry that um, often we'll start with the physical and we'll realize that it's tied to something emotional. And so one of the fa- my favorite miracle things, like miracle stories that I saw was one night we were at um, this room, we call it the upper room, and we go to pray and we pray really intensely. And this girl came over and on crutches and we're like, I was like, oh no, Lord, you're not just going to bring some- someone up here that on crutches and we're not going to pray for them so i knew that that's what he wanted he wanted us to pray with her and so again david jumps in and he's ready to start praying for her healing and i just saw that there was something in her that seemed broken um the way she was speaking the way that she was carrying herself you could see that there was more than what was coming off on the surface and it was more than just a broken leg that was broken within her um and so as we started praying we led her through prayers of forgiveness and we led her through prayers of renunciation and just different um mm. just different prayers of healing for one specific area in her life. And we prayed probably for about an hour. And at the end of the hour, um, we finished praying and she said, oh my goodness. And we're like, what? She's like, my foot doesn't hurt anymore. And so she got up off her crutches and she walked. And I really believe that it was freedom from the emotional healing, from the emotional wounds that she needed before she could walk. That is really, really cool. It sound, sounds to me like you and David make somewhat, somewhat of a dream team, and you may not be free <laughs> to admit it, but I think that uh, that's what I'm hearing here. Yeah, it's been, it's been cool to learn from him and to ask as boldly as he does, but also to watch him um, fall for the heart. Fall for the heart. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Andre. I really think that uh, I really appreciate hearing these stories again. For me, it like, as much as it was the first time you told me these things, these stories are boosts to my faith, and it is so refreshing just to hear those, hear these, these tales of you know God working in people's lives through through the the hands of His servants. So, thank you for your the work that you do, both in both as a nurse and um, and as a as a daughter of Christ as well. And thank you for sharing that work with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. So, there you have it, folks. 
someone who has been an eyewitness and a hands-on part of Christ's miraculous work in the world for the past couple of years. After that conversation, it feels almost unnecessary to talk about the specific miracles that led to John Paul II's canonization, but because one, I promised, and two, John Paul II is awesome, we're going to do it anyway. So, John Paul was a pretty famous guy, and there were reportedly thousands of miracles attributed to his intercession before the throne of Christ that were submitted to the Vatican for investigation toward his canonization. But what we're going to talk about ever so briefly is the two that actually led to his canonization. The first miracle was one that was not unlike many that Andre witnessed in person. In 2005, there was a 47-year-old nun in France whose name was Sister Marie Simone Pierre, who was suffering deeply from Parkinson's disease, which, if you don't know, was actually the disease that ultimately claimed John Paul II's life. Her symptoms had gotten so bad that she had totally lost the use of her legs. Eventually, confident that John Paul was in the company of Christ, even though he was not yet declared a saint, this was actually just three months after his death, she prayed to the former pope that he, who suffered for a great time with this exact disease, would ask the Lord to release her from it. One day shortly thereafter, she woke up with no pain, no sign of Parkinson's disease, the picture of perfect health. Then, a couple of years later, there was a woman in Costa Rica by the name of Floribeth Mora Diaz, who was told by doctors that she was in the last weeks of her life. She had suffered a brain aneurysm a couple of years prior, and though she survived the event, she was told that the lasting damage had become too much for her body to handle and that she should not expect to live longer than another month. When she returned home, she had an old magazine of the Pope with his arms outstretched and in desperation asked for his prayers on her behalf. She relates that in one of those moments of prayer, she heard his voice say to her, get up and don't be afraid. She said upon hearing this voice that she felt a deep sense of healing and within the next couple of days went to get tested to see if anything had actually changed. Much to her doctor's surprise, the test that they performed confirmed her total recovery. Now, like I said at, toward the beginning of this podcast, it doesn't take a whole lot of mental or philosophical or rational gymnastics to see how the continued reality of miracles corroborates what Christ told us about himself 2,000 years ago. If one starts to acknowledge that these occurrences truly and regularly take place, that miracles are not a thing of the past, but they are a thing of the present and a thing of the future, it becomes more and more difficult and insensible to say, my reason leads me to believe that God is not real or that Christ is not God. On the contrary, these facts lead us powerfully toward the conclusion that St. Paul reached in his letter to the Corinthians. Jesus is Lord. All right, well, that's our episode for today, folks. I want to thank you, 
as always, for listening, and especially this time, for your patience with how long it's taken me to get this episode out. In other Newman news for this upcoming week, we have uh, retreat signups are starting, are starting today. We have our spring retreat is going to be on April 13th and 14th, and we'll be sending out a link to sign up in our Newman email this week. And if you're not on our email list, first of all, get on our email list. But second, the link will also be on our Facebook page um, by the middle by around noon tomorrow. In other news, this Thursday, we're having Steve Ironman, the Newman campus minister from Baldwin-Wallace University, lead us in a conversation about Holy Week to prepare us for what we're entering into just starting next week. Then on Friday, we're having another Newman Holy Hour, where we'll spend an hour together in praise and worship and adoration, um, and of course, joining together and praying the rosary. Finally, this Saturday, we're having an interfaith dinner with many of the other religious groups on campus and then also closing out the night with a bowling night for Newman students and guests. That's what we've got for y'all this week. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at our events this week and going forward beyond that. And remember, guys, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Peace. Thank you.